welcome once again to the Chapter 49 podcast. We're back in our weekly schedule once the holidays are over. We had uh, one one week ago with uh, Lori McCann, Chapter President up in Chicago. And now it's, this week it's just uh, you and I, Duncan, the lonely two of us. Uh, no, no guests this week, but plenty to talk about. Welcome back, Duncan. Thanks. Good to be here, Larry, even if it is just the two of us. Yeah, we'll make the best of what we can do here. But, uh, yeah, we we do have some guests hopefully lined up in the future. But uh, this week we still have plenty to talk about. And it's always good to lead the podcast off with some good news, not something we've been able to do for a while. (laughs) So let's start with that. Uh, The pay raise is now in your paychecks, uh, your direct deposits. There aren't too many people getting paper checks anymore. So it's mostly a direct deposit. People are getting that, and they're able to see their pay statements, I assume, online if they choose to do so. So uh, this is definitely good news for people uh, in our bargaining unit. Yeah, the pay pay raise will hit for the um, the next paycheck, which will be the January 24th paycheck. Um, so it will hit then. So it's, it's coming folks. You're getting a little bit more. We understand inflation's out there. We wish it would have been a higher paycheck into you pushed for a higher paycheck. Uh, but you know, with everything going on in Congress, we took what we were able to get and you know, it to, you hear the four, the 2.7, it was actually 2.2% with a half percent for locality pay. So uh, it just varies according to your area and where you're listening to. Yeah, amongst our uh, people that we represent, the Chicago uh, people tend uh, to, to get the most. The people in Merrillville who are tied into the Chicago pay band, or not pay band, but the uh, pay area. Pay band means something else. I can tell you that from being a manager. <laughs> yeah. Being a manager, pay bands. I don't even want to. Don't even start. Yeah, we're not going to go with that. No, <laughs> don't, we don't even, even start. Talk about that. <laughs> Yeah, anybody who's a manager is listening, and I, they know the term pay band, and it's not the same thing. Pay area. Uh, people who are in Merrillville are tied into the Chicago market. Um, uh, Indianapolis, of course, I think it includes Carmel and Anderson. Uh, that's one pay area. And, of course, we've uh, got the rest of the U.S., which is a great geographically a large part of Indiana is, is part of that rest of the U.S., not in a specific uh, pay locality, if you will. So it's good. And I think one thing we I want to emphasize here, having been to legislative conferences, talked to uh, uh, the many people who uh, represent us and their staff in Washington, uh, this is a heavy lift to get any kind of pay raise. And when we talked to Doreen Greenwald several weeks ago, she made it clear that IRS was or not IRS, but in this case, it was the federal government, the Congress and so forth was uh, bent on this 2.7 average, 2.2 plus locality pay of a half a percent. Uh, but NTU worked very, very hard to increase that. And sometimes that, you get that extra amount and sometimes you don't. It, but there was, it wasn't for lack of trying. That, was, that is a very high priority uh, for our legislative department is to get money in people's pockets. So uh, uh, look for that in the next pay period. Uh, on, so uh, that, that's good news. You're going to see a pay raise. Maybe it's not as much as you want. Well, we can all remember years when there was no pay raise. Yeah, when it was a freeze. So <laughs> yeah, the freezes were, were 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 quite chilly for our pay our bank accounts. Uh, yeah, like sucking all the heat out of the out of a room, man. It's pay freezes are not good, and like I said, like you said, it it's not as much as we wanted, but you know, you you get what you we can get, and 
I'm thankful to our legislation department for helping push this over the line. And anytime we've had a legislative conference, uh, employee pay has always been on that list. I mean, I went several times, and I know that, and that I think the legislative conference this year is going to be virtual just because uh, it's just not possible to do it in person in the current circumstance. But uh, I want to go to, uh, before we leave the whole issue of pay, I do want to mention something else. You had brought this up uh, a couple of podcasts ago, and let's talk about that again because something else you'll notice in your pay when you get that, there'll be a little bit of a bump. Because you may recall uh, a couple of years ago, there was a Social Security withholding holiday, but then there was a requirement to pay it back later that was done over a whole year's time, so there wouldn't be a huge hit on people all at once. Now, that's going to be gone. That's finally history. As of this paycheck, uh, the tax holiday that amounted to basically a loan to yourself um, as has ended. So you're, you're no longer going to see that, uh, that extra social security taken out of your paycheck. You should have a higher amount this paycheck than you did on your last paycheck. And that is going to be, um, if your hours are the same, that is going to be due to the fact that you're not getting paid, having to pay back that extra social security. So that's an immediate pay bump. And then you'll have another one on your next paycheck with the pay raise. So yeah, that's, those are two good things. Yes, and I and I think if you somebody asks you how do you give a loan to yourself, the federal government figured out a way. Yeah, it wasn't a fun way, and it wasn't something that we asked for. But by golly, we got it anyway. Yeah, the idea was economic stimulus, and I don't know about you, I don't think that was particularly stimulative. And if you think back on that, uh, just to remind people, the federal government was ordered to do that by the president, by executive order when President Trump was in office. And you're right, nobody in the government wanted it. In fact, the agency heads really didn't want that Social Security holiday because they knew it would have to be paid back. Uh, And most private industry that had the option chose not to even involve themselves in it. So there was very little stimulative effect to that. And uh, just editorial comment from yours truly. (laughs) Oh, uh, let's see. I guess one thing I can do is a retired guy, right? One of the, one of the one of the benefits of that. I want to talk now. Let's let's go back to our our normal uh, subject matter, which we hate to have to get back to, but it is important, and we all need to keep track of it. At the vaccine mandate, we know that the coronavirus, the Omicron variant, is is uh, what I find interesting is that in like our part of the country in the Midwest, we are sadly sort of seeing the peak of this. I just saw some numbers last night uh, from New York City, which was one of the first places hit by the Omicron variant, and they are seeing a drop-off in cases, which is terrific news for them. What that means, and it's not necessarily true of every locality that gets this, but and as the way it was described to me by a health professional here in Fishers, where I live, Fishers, Indiana, is that it's not a matter of the Omicron uh, variant being less lethal. It is less lethal, but it's not a matter of it just dies out on its own. The way she described it to me is it runs out of hosts. In other mm-hmm. words, it's infected as many people as it can get to, so it just kind of dies a natural death downward. So you either have to protect yourself or get it in order to uh, to uh, allow this this drop-off to happen of cases. So that's what's, we're, what's what we are beginning to see. So with that as background, 
Um, we, of course, have been following the vaccination mandate. We've seen a lot of numbers come out. Kind of give me your take on all this. Yeah, it's it's one of those that you do hope that it, it will start to die out. But it's dying out because, it, like you said, and this Dr. Fauci had said this as well, that it, it's going to run its course when it runs out of hosts. So just about everybody is going to be impacted by this. The latest numbers that we have seen for the IRS was just before Christmas and a little bit uh, over 90 percent of uh, IRS employees had been fully vaccinated and a uh, percentage of those had also been boosted like yours truly. Uh, Another uh, almost one percent, a little bit less than one percent at that time had been partially vaccinated. So between partially vaccinated and fully vaccinated, we're at 91 percent. Then we had uh, about seven to eight percent that were in the reasonable accommodation process right now and still are. And I'll hit on that in a second. And then we had, you know, about one percent, a little over one percent that have not been vaccinated, did not put in a reasonable accommodation. And unfortunately, many of those folks have already received their three-day proposed suspension letter. On those three-day proposed extension letters, uh, are people going through what EEO, EDI, whatever you call it these days, that process? Or have any Mm -hmm. employees been asking the chapter to represent them under the union contract uh, Mm -hmm. if they disagree with with, uh, their, their suspension? It varies wildly across the country from my discussions with my counterparts. Um, I know for a fact that we've had proposed three-day suspensions here in the state of Indiana. Haven't had a lot of people asking about that. My hope is the fact that these are people that either have gotten their vaccinations and for some reason didn't put it on HR Connect or they're in the process of doing so, so they're alerting the IRS um, and that's and that's basically what we all want is for everybody to be uh, vaccinated so that nobody does have to get suspended or later on down the line terminated. Well, are, are we not coming up to some time limits? <clears throat> if somebody wanted to challenge that suspension, maybe they still haven't been vaccinated. Um, are they coming up against a time limit to file a grievance if the, that, that's the system they want to use? Yeah, they, uh, to be able to do a written reply, you had seven days, and that's already passed. Uh, to do an oral reply, you've got 15 days, and that's darn near passed. So if, you have, if you've got this suspension and you're considering fighting it because you have not been vaccinated or you're not in the process of getting vaccinated and you're not putting in a reasonable accommodation, I would contact your chapter uh, immediately. Because there's, there's, you're behind the curve and there's no time to waste. Um, some people have said, I just didn't want to put it in HR Connect because I was making a statement. Okay, if that's your statement, that's fine. But make sure that you let the IRS know immediately, if you haven't already, that you have been fully vaccinated, that you can document that so you don't have that three days off of work with no pay. And by the way, we were, we are recording this on January thirteenth, just so people know the timelines of all. That's the day he's you know, he's as Duncan is giving you an evaluation on timelines as of January thirteenth, just uh, so you all know. 
Here's a question that it's come to my mind, and I, I'm sure it's it's on others' minds. Let's say you have someone that says, "All right, I I just want to make a statement. I was vaccinated, just didn't want to tell my employer about it. I get a three-day suspension. I send my information in. Finally, what happens to that suspension?" We are extremely hopeful, and it's our understanding that once the IRS receives this information, they will not go forward with the suspension, that they will rescind the suspension letter because it's shown that you are fully vaccinated, i.e. you're two weeks past your second shot with either Pfizer or Moderna, or you've uh, passed that time limit with your one-shot Johnson & Johnson. So it should be... um, you know, the fact that it's it should be rescinded. But that's using logic and common sense and what we've been told. And as we all know, in the IRS, that can absolutely uh, slip by. Well, sadly so. <laughs> sadly so. <clears throat> but, uh, so it's a, it's a wait and see, really. You've been given assurances that these people will have these suspensions stripped on their record, but we'll wait and see. Is that what I'm hearing you saying? That's, that's exactly correct. And on the reasonable accommodations side. Um, We do know that our uh, uh, EDI folks, our uh, diversity and inclusion folks are still going through the process of looking at all these um, requests as well as the medical for the religious, as well as the medical asking for more information where they need it. Then they will forward it up to this committee for a final review on the reasonable accommodation. So what the accommodation is going to be, how they will rule on it, what they're going, what's the makeup of the, this executive board. We have no idea at this point. We don't know how soon it's going to be before it comes down on these decisions, but nobody should get, if they've put in a reasonable accommodation request, nobody should be receiving any sort of potential discipline until that's been, uh, until that's been ruled on. And the last number I saw was that uh, there are more than 5,000 reasonable accommodation requests that are pending. So you're telling me we're going to have one panel review over 5,000 cases? Well, the number has gone up um, during this process. I think the number is now closer to um, 7,000. And the vast majority of those are religious accommodations, not medical accommodations. And that's what they are telling us, that there will be one board in doing this. Now, um, you know, one of the things that the safer task force has come out with is that if you are doing a reasonable accommodation, there will be testing involved. There will be testing at least once a week. It will not be at the employee's expense. It will not be at the, um, you know, employee's own time. It will be on duty time. But the key thing to keep in mind here is, is you're going to have to take your own leave. If you have a positive test, you're going to have to take your own leave to quarantine. So Uh, there is no more COVID leave. So you will be able to get work time to take the test, but if you're positive and taken out of the workforce, that's your leave, correct? Exactly. Wow. That's going to be some, something to watch. Do we have, I mean, I, here's the problem. Now you say it's a 7,000. That's, that's a big number. 7,000 people who are applying for reasonable accommodations, a clear large majority of them being for sincerely held religious beliefs. Uh, 
Yeah, that's uh, how one panel is going to get through that quickly. Is 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 the? I just think the 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 logistics of that are difficult to imagine. That this could take weeks or months. I mean, in the meantime, these people are going to get tested every week. And and that's the thing. Those are the tests are for people who are going to be coming into the office at any point. So while we are in an evacuation order, that's not going to come into play. But once we are off an evacuation order, or if it's somebody that is um, somebody that has a job that they is not portable that they do have to come into the office for, then yes, that testing would kick in. And it's just one of those things that we have no idea what the uh, accommodations are going to be, anything along those lines. But the thing that, to me, again, I hammer on this all the time, but it's got to be equitable to everyone. And you're going to have a tough, tough time coming up with a one-size-fits-all. But if you don't, you're going to have a whole host of other issues that, you know, why are you treating employee A this way and employee B over here who has the same type of situation, you're treating them differently. That's setting um, the IRS up for a whole host of issues and spending a lot of time that nobody wants to on this or should have to. Well, you know, I I mentioned a while back that the Marine Corps took care of this by denying every religious accommodation. I guess they were being consistent, weren't they? They certainly were. And that's the thing. It's we wouldn't like to see that because I'm certain that there are some people who absolutely have sincerely held religious beliefs that don't get vaccines of any nature at any time and haven't. Um, but they, when they do something sweeping like that, they eliminate the possibility of people raising a defense that it's not equitable um, because of the fact that they treated everybody the same. There's one more aspect of this we need to remind people of. You've done this every time, and let me lead you into it again. There is a a case before the Supreme Court, it's been argued, we're waiting on the decision, that deals with mandates. However, it should be remembered, that case is for private employers only. If you're in in what's called an executive branch agency, which IRS is, that means that an executive order for the president, from the president, is something that can be enforced And there have been some people who have gone to court over that issue, and nobody has won yet. I think they've all been dismissed, if I recall correctly. Um, You know, so it's. I think what we need to remind people is that they think the courts are going to come in and 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 tell you that the vaccine mandate for federal employees will go away. I don't think that's going to happen. That's exactly correct because those are two totally separate issues. The mandate for uh, employers over 100, um, you know, that OSHA would enforce is not something that the federal uh, executive branch is under. And those are two separate court cases. And as you said, and as Jim Bailey laid out so well when we saw this coming, that there is just no legal precedent for uh, this type of executive order to be overturned legally. We wish it could be. We wish it, you know, that it, there didn't have to be a mandate, that there could be mandatory testing, that, you know, we could have other avenues of getting folks to do this. But this is this is where we are. This is what the administration has mandated. They can legally do it. And the Supreme Court cases that you're hearing about will not impact us in any way, shape or form. 
Let me talk, uh, go back to payroll for a moment. We did talk about payroll issues early on. That was good news. And there's, a, I guess, a kind of good news uh, item we can talk about now because if people are in a hurry to get their taxes filed. The, uh, uh, I understand the uh, e-file will be open within about a week or two, so you'll uh, have the option. You know you're going to get a refund, then you can go ahead and do it electronically very soon. Um, W-2 forms are now available on the uh, employee uh, online uh, information. Uh, i got to tell you, I'm a retiree. I checked the OPM site. Our 1099Rs are not on there yet. I just checked before we recorded this. But uh, for employees under a different uh, system, uh, you do have your W-2s available, which is good news. Yeah. Big shout-out to uh, Lori McCann of Chapter 10, who was our guest last week who is an awesome chapter president and lady and uh, saw that she had sent that information out. And so this morning I did check and lo and behold, the W-2 is on uh, the EPP, the employee personnel page. Uh, So you can print those out, you can view them, you can use the information however you need to, if you want to go ahead and file early. Um, As we all know, it's going to be, it's going to be a rough filing system, folks. There's, there's no way around that has been the past couple of years. We'll continue to do so. The folks in the service center are working their asses off under very, very stressful conditions because of COVID. Um, They're doing a yeoman job, but they're way behind. They've got less people to do it, as we all do in every division. And it's it's going to be a tough go. And I anticipate this filing season being not that much different from the last couple. Yeah, we were seeing a lot of publicity. I saw a piece in the Washington Post uh, just a couple of days before we recorded this. We're sort of laid out the fact that, hey, you know, we're paying a price for underfunding the IRS for all these years. And uh, now this backlog on paper, because we have the pandemic that's limiting how many employees can, and you have to go into the office to do the processing for paper returns. And, you know, way behind is almost not even close to saying how bad a shape that's in. Uh, you said it was over a million uh, paper uh, cases and returns out there. Uh, it may be more than that. And these people at these various service centers, and there are fewer of them today than we once had because mm-hmm. of the move toward electronic filing. If you're going to file a return, almost everyone recommends please file electronically. If you don't, be prepared to wait. Yeah. in. Uh, like I said, the folks in the service centers, and I'm hearing several million documents out there that have not been processed, and it's just because of bodies. And, you know, it's it's coming home to roost for not being able to pay the folks uh, a proper wage so we're not retaining people, so we're not able to recruit people. It's a vicious, vicious cycle, and I'm hoping that we'll be able to do that. We were hoping to do that with the uh, Build Better Act, but that appears that it's going to have some trouble. Um, one of the good things on there for filing taxes is NTU does offer a program to its members uh, to be able to, in uh, conjunction with Tax Slayer, to be able to offer uh, you know, free filing for federal and state returns, which is a nice, very nice thing. Uh, they just found out yesterday, I believe it was, that there is an income limit on that per family of $73,000, I want to say, is the figure. And NTU is working to see what the heck is the deal on that because it was their understanding there was no limit. 
Uh, but that's that's what's going on right now. So there there is help available out there for you. Um, but just understand if there are delays, especially if you're doing paper, there are going to be delays. There's no way around it, even though folks are, are doing their their damn level best uh, and then some to try and bring that down. Now, the service once had an employee tax filing program. Has that gone by the wayside? A long time ago. So that see, made way too much sense. I was going to say, um, you know, here you are disciplining people if they don't file and you're you're taking away a, a whole program that was designed to make it easier for employees to file. So is that a message or what? Yeah, the IRS, we are the king of mixed messages, by golly. Um, <laughs> yeah, that that went by the wayside quite a few years ago. Well, as a manager, I was involved in, in some of the uh, – and I, it has its issues, that program. It was not easy to manage, and you had to basically take people from other jobs for part of the day during that period of time and have them do it. So you're robbing Peter to pay Paul. So I understand why the service may not want to do it with the staffing levels they have. But on the other hand, there's a price for not doing it. So I'll leave that aside. Uh, Let's talk about something else. Uh, And I've been reading about this. You're very kind to clue me in on some of the things that are that are happening uh, within the the union and and relations with management. There is a new program where uh, IRS is willing to pay you a bonus if you recruit somebody to come to IRS. But uh, you've also been reading the fine print on this program. Clue us in on what it's all about. Yeah, this was uh, this was brought to us. Uh, pretty late in the process um, when we were negotiating the national agreement. And the IRS said, well, we want to do a, uh, you know, we want to do a recruitment bonus for people. We said, great. Then they started coming up with the stipulations on what positions would be covered, who could get it. And it was like, wait, what? Um, So basically we were like, okay, if this is your program, great. We'll, we'll, go with the fine tuning of the details, but this is your baby because it ended up being after the IRS hemmed and hawed around a little bit that if you, uh, recruit somebody, even basically they mention you when they're going in on, um, USA jobs to apply here, um, that if they remain here for six months, you'll get $250. If they remain here a year, you'll get an additional $250. So a total of $500, but it can't be a relative. Um, there, you know, there are a lot of stipulations to this and the information is out there, um, on the IR web, on the IR source, uh, for the details on this program. So if you do have friends, not relatives, but friends that you might say, Hey, would you like a career in the federal government at the IRS? Are you having too much fun in your life and want to cut that down a little bit? Come on and play with us. Um, you can you can possibly make some money. Why? Well, uh, so I assume there's a definition of relative. So if I'm wondering whether I can refer my third cousin once remo- removed or whatever. <laughs> <laughs> yep, there's absolutely. We're the IRS and we're great at defining relationships. Um, so yes, there is. There are definitions on there. It does explain who would be eligible and who would not be eligible for that type of bonus. Anybody who ever went through the first phase of 
the old taxpayer assist uh, taxpayer service representative and what they called it then where uh, they uh, taught you a whole class on dependence and told you about you know <laughs> about how you can and cannot be related to somebody that was a th- that probably blew my mind as much as anything else when I first <laughs> and that wasn't even my first tax class it's just I never saw it drill, drill down to that little thing and so it's yes we are certainly good at defining relationships <laughs> that's a good way to put that um, one last thing um, Skype has been but. Uh, the IRS has been using for all of these, you know, remote uh, meetings and just remote relationships that have become more common over the last couple of years. Uh, Skype is kind of going by the wayside. What's replacing it? Yeah, Microsoft Teams is replacing Skype. And as we all know, this is the federal government. So guess who had the low bid? Um, it's going to, it's the icon is already on your computer. Uh, I would guess at this point, and people will start to use it. There are instructions on the web, on the internal web, on how to use it, uh, how it's different. It's it's pretty intuitive. Uh, it is a lot like Skype, so it shouldn't make that much of a difference. Um, had some questions from people. Is this a way for management to monitor us more, or to drill down into what we're doing more, or something like that? No, it's basically this is cheaper. That's that's what it amounts to. And on that note, uh, I'll ask Duncan if he has any final comments on this podcast. Yeah, I've, I've got uh, two quick points. First off is I just want to thank all the employees out there. You know, it's it's another filing season coming up. And whether you're directly related with filing season or your work is not, I, I just want to tell you how much – I and your fellow chapter leaders across the country appreciate the job you're doing because we're going on two years, uh, close to two years of evacuation orders. And it's made work a hell of a lot harder than it even was before, which was damn near impossible at that point. So I just want to say thank you, thank you, thank you on behalf of my fellow chapter leaders and national and to you for all that you do out there and for the good executives and managers out there, they're appreciative of the work you do too. The second thing is, is, you know, I, I will continue hammering on this. You know, people talk about, well, you know, COVID is on its downswing and we've talked about Omicron possibly ending off of its peak, things of that nature. All I know is in Indiana, we're hitting record hospital highs. We're hitting more and more people that are doing this, that are, that are getting sick with COVID. Um, the more people that get vaccinated, the better off we all will be. And that's all I want is just for everybody. You know, I, again, I've said it before and I'll say it again. I just don't want to see one more person have lose a quality of life or lose their life because of this. So please, if you haven't been vaccinated, please get vaccinated. If you haven't been boosted, uh, I would strongly urge you to get boosted as well, because I think these statistics show that that helps a great, great deal. Of course, at my age, I, I try to get boosted for any excuse I might have. So I, I had, I'm i not sure I'm old enough to hear about some of this stuff, Larry. I, oh, you're talking about boosted for sorry, that. I'm t- sorry, I'm, t- I'm talking about uh, COVID vaccines. Sorry. <laughs> but uh, we won't get into any other parts of boosting. But, 
that booster shot, uh, yeah, I took it and didn't and it uh, didn't do much for uh, in terms of bad effects for me or anything. So I just uh, would like to echo that. Take care of yourself. I've made this point before. Please, whether it's your mental or physical health, they're both equally as important. And, you know, the employees working have an employee assistance program, retirees, lots of places where you can go. Just if you need the help, don't be afraid to get it. Uh, we're all human, and we need to have addressed any of our human needs, whether they physical or uh, mental, emotional, whatever it might be. We still need help. So never let yourself sit there and suffer in silence. And that's all I will say about that. Duncan Giles, thank you very much once again. And if all goes well, we will try to be back next week to talk more on our Chapter 49 podcast. If you uh, would like to get an email every week with links to our video and audio podcast, just uh, send an email to Duncan Giles within the internal email system or at NTEU49. NTEU, what, what, is, what, is uh, what is the address again? NTU49 at AOL.com. This is what happens when you get older. So everybody, uh, you can find us, a podcast by Larry Lannon on any platform for audio, Duncan Giles on YouTube, and you can find our Chapter 49 podcast, audio or video. I recommend the audio, rather would not be on video, but hey, it's there if you want it. Thank you so much for watching and listening. Have a great week. Be safe and be kind.